always a stressful time for families when those convicted of horrific acts against their loved ones eventually complete their sentences and walk free. Tonight, I will go over two cases where killers and rapists are now free to roam the streets. I'm your host Cambo, grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Tonight's tonight's episode is about a couple of cases I brought to you earlier and right at this moment are back in the news. One is about to be released after completing his sentence and the other, a convicted rapist, has been found trying to hook up on Tinder. So the first sicko's name you may remember, Michael Anthony Guider, born 20th of October 1950 in Melbourne, In short, he would be convicted of the manslaughter of Samantha Knight, aged just nine years in 2002. However, he's due to be released in June of this year, as his sentence is almost complete. Now, this is a guy that set fire to his ex-partner and her new lover's business in 1979. Not put away at that time, but given a five-year good behaviour bond. He's a thief and a fraudster. He was an introverted, avoidant loner, unable to commit to any long-term relationship, and he moved between various hostels, boarding houses and the like in and around Sydney. Now, it's while moving between these hostels and boarding houses, Guido came into contact with many families, and he was able to gain their trust mainly single mums and often those that had issues such as drug dependencies. It's this trust that he would use to get close to their children. Once he had that trust, the parents would often let him babysit or take their kids out on excursions. He would tell the mothers that that they should go out and have a break from the children. He would often bring them gifts and being a photographer and having access to what you would call sleeping pills like Normison, he would drug the kids, photograph their genitals or sexually abuse them, and sometimes it was their friends. He would mix the Normison in with Coca-Cola so they couldn't taste it. His victims ranged in age from 2 years to 16 years old. On the afternoon of 19th of August 1986, Nine-year-old Samantha Knight walked home from Bronte Public School on Hewlett Street at around 4pm. Now, this was about a 15 to 20-minute walk. She was a latchkey kid, and on this day, her mother was not home as she was working late on an art project. She turned on the TV, made a snack. She then changed out of her school uniform and put on a bright pink tube skirt a dark blue sloppy joe with a yellow school emblem over the heart that read Bronte, one for all. 
She wore a pair of blue buckled open sandals. At 4.30pm, Samantha walked from her Imperial Avenue unit to the Cassis News Agency on Bondi Road to buy a pencil and some lollies. This is less than five minutes walk. She left the news agency but returned 10 minutes later and asked the news agent if she'd seen her bronze Yale house key. This was usually attached to a small clip around her waist. At 5pm, she was seen speaking to a male. At 6.45pm, the last person to see Samantha was a neighbour, Miss Rena Kilbride, who spoke to her on Bondi Road near Wellington Street, walking towards home. Now, Samantha never made it back home. When Tess Knight, her mother, got home at around 6pm, the TV was on, the lights were off, and it looked like Samantha had made herself something to eat in the kitchen. Tess then called around to all Samantha's nearby school friends' houses, but no one had seen her. So she goes missing in August 1986. There are no sightings or suspects. There was a $50,000 reward offered by police, but still no useful information. And then the trail goes cold. Every year on the anniversary of her disappearance, there is some media coverage, but still no suspects, no sightings and no body. In early 1996, nearly 10 years after Samantha went missing, two young children, each seven years of age, complained that this Michael Guider had been indecently insulting them and taking nude photographs of them. On the 2nd and 6th of February 1996, searches were made of his workshed and of his residence. Some thousands of 35mm slides, photographs and negatives depicting children in indecent poses and in the course of being sexually assaulted were found. Also discovered were a number of pornographic books and articles, children's underwear and cameras, as well as various texts in relation to child abuse, incest and child photography. When interviewed by police on the 6th of February 96, he admitted the offences concerning the two girls. As a consequence, police Operation Jadeite was commenced in order to investigate possible further offences in the course of which he was also interviewed in April and July 96 concerning the disappearance of Samantha Knight. When he appeared in the district court on the 12th of September 96, he pleaded guilty to some 60 counts involving sexual offences in relation to nine young girls and two young boys, extending over a period of approximately 15 years between January 1980 and January 1996. In summary, the counts which were before the court involved the following offences. 18 counts of indecent assault. 1 count of aggravated indecent assault. 16 counts of administer a stupefying drug, which was the Normison. 15 counts of sexual intercourse without consent, comprising acts of penile penetration, penetration with a finger, and with objects and oral intercourse. One count of aggravated act of indecency with a child under the age of 16 years. Six counts of indecency with a child under the age of 10 years. Two counts of indecency and one count of common assault. An offence of possession of child pornography was also taken into account. 
For the 16 charges under Section 38 of the Crimes Act, that is, the administration of a stupefying drug with intent thereby to commit an indictable offence, sentences were imposed of 16 years, which would expire on the 27th of February 2012. Minimum terms of 10 years were fixed, which would have been due to expire on the 27th of February 2006. In relation to all the other offences, concurrent fixed terms were imposed, comprising sentences of six years for the 15 counts of sexual intercourse without consent offences, four years for the 18 counts of indecent assault offences, 12 months for the one count of aggravated indecent assault offence, 18 months for the six counts of indecency with a child under the age of 10 years, one count of aggravated act of indecency with a child under the age of 16 years, and nine months for the common assault offence. Now, that would not be the end of the investigation into this monster. In May 1998, a further investigation was conducted into Guider by a crime agencies which established Strike Force Harrisville. They found that he had another stash of photos, slides, scrapbooks and the like in a rented storage unit in Girawain. The scrapbooks contains, contain news clippings relating to the disappearance of Samantha Knight. Guider was interviewed again on the 19th of July 1999. He admitted taking the photos for his own sexual gratification, but denied any knowledge of Samantha Knight's disappearance. Subsequently, he appeared in the district court and pleaded guilty to eight counts relating to these matters, which in summary involved three counts of indecent assault and five counts of sexual intercourse with a victim under the age of 16 years. Nine other offences involving acts of indecency or incitement of such acts were taken into account. In his reasons for sentence on the 11th of February 2000, Judge O'Reilly appropriately described these offences as appalling. He made reference to Guider's current custodial position, which required that he be held on protection, and to his dysfunctional background. He was found to be a compulsive pedophile and to have committed the offences while in a position of trust. A conclusion was reached that there was little point in increasing the overall additional term, meaning he was inside already for being a perverted pedo and that these offences could have been tacked onto his original trial. So taking that into account, he would only serve a few months extra on top of his original sentence, for fuck's sake. Anyway, as a consequence, for the five counts of sexual intercourse with a victim under the age of 16 years, concurrent fixed terms of imprisonment, each of six and a half years, were fixed to commence on the 11th of February 2000 and to expire on the 10th of August 2006, effectively extending the earliest date on which he could be eligible for parole by only six months. Now, in 1996, a prison informer called Witness N informed police that while discussing the sex offences, Guider said to him the police had also spoken to him in relation to Samantha Knight. He then added, well, I didn't mean to do it. I must have given her too much. He added, I must have put too much Normison in her coke and she wouldn't wake up. Now, in 1998, there was a Dutch guy who had been done for drug trafficking that they called Witness O. Now, his real name is out there 
And uh, he was on 60 Minutes Doco, actually, but we'll go with Witness O. Guider told him that he had given Samantha a drug in his shed and later, having discovered her dead, he buried her body. He also said that at a later time, he had returned to the grave site where he dug up the remains and placed them in a dumpster along with garden refuse near his place of work, which was then taken to a garbage depot. At the time, he was working at the Royal Yacht Squadron at Kirribilli as a gardener. Guider was eventually arrested and charged with murder on the 22nd of February 2001 and committed for trial on the 29th of April 2002. Now, as there was no body and only circumstantial evidence, getting a murder charge to stick was going to be difficult. Now, also, the fact that he had administered a drug that eventually killed her is also not murder if he did not have the intention of killing her. Eventually, Guider would plead guilty to manslaughter, and that was accepted. Guider would be sentenced for the manslaughter of Samantha Knight for 17 years to date from the 7th of June 2002. And of course, that's why he's in the news to expire on the 6th of June 2019. So this animal, who's about 70 years old and still active, is about to be let back on the streets. In fact, going by what I've read, he's already been on 20-day release excursions escorted by a chaplain. Now, what could go wrong with that arrangement? In February 2019, it was reported that Guider was legally due to be released in June 2019, but the Attorney General of New South Wales was trying to keep him behind bars. The government applied for Guider to be incarcerated for another year. Samantha Knight's mother, Tess, said she wanted Guider to be imprisoned forever adding that he was one of the most dangerous criminals in New South Wales. On May the 27th, 2019, the government applied to the Supreme Court of New South Wales to have Guider kept in prison for the extra year, followed by a five-year extended supervision order. Guider's lawyer said his client had been a model prisoner and had been allowed 20-day leaves in the community, during which, of course, as I said, he was escorted by a chaplain. He said that if Guider were released into the community, he would stay in a halfway house attached to Long Bay Prison and would abide by 56 conditions that would be stricter than any parole. On June the 4th, the Supreme Court imposed an interim detention order that would keep Guider in prison for another 28 days, during which time he would be seen by a psychiatrist and a psychologist. I think this is where we, as a society, need to have a good, hard look at some of the crimes and the length of sentencing that applies to these crimes. Guider is a lifelong thief, fraudster and compulsive pedo. The 16 or so years he was sentenced to for the manslaughter of Samantha, it goes by so quickly, with the family subjected to a life sentence. Now, I am one for... The no body, no parole, especially in this case. This evil predator doesn't deserve to have any freedom, regardless of how strict the parole conditions are. At his age, is nothing to lose to pursue his pedophilic interests. What's the worst that can happen to him? Get locked up and spend his last days housed and fed? How's he going to survive in society? What's he going to do with his days? Who's going to fund his freedom? I say... Fuck him. 
Leave him inside until he rots away to hell. At least he won't be a danger to any more kids. So from one maggot to another that's in the news at the moment. Trent Thorburn. The fucknut that thinks he's something pretty special by the number of selfies he uploads of himself in various poses. He's the one that had sex with Tia Lee Palmer, his 12-year-old foster sister, and got her pregnant. Then his father murdered the little girl to try and hide the crime. Well, this piece of shit was reported to be on Tinder for fuck's sake under the name TJ. Now, let me just go over that case a little bit before I unleash my rage on TJ, which could only stand for total jerk-off. Anyway, jerk-off would wait for his father and mother to be out of the house and he would go and have sex with Tia. Obviously, his mother and father didn't know what was going on or they were being willfully blind and it's unclear if his brother Josh knew he was having sex with the 12-year-old foster sister. What we do know is that at any opportunity, he was taking advantage of Tia. At the time, Thorburn was 19 years old He would be charged with two counts of perjury and one count of each of attempting to pervert the course of justice and, of course, incest. The offence of incest involved Trent having unprotected sexual intercourse with his 12-year-old foster sister, TLE. Now, I'll go over Trent's crimes here and I am repeating parts of my last episode that I did on this disgusting family. The first count of perjury arose out of evidence given by Trent to the Crime and Corruption Commission as part of the investigation, investigative hearing into the disappearance of TLE. On the 26th of June 2016, Trent falsely testified that there had been no sexual contact between him and TLE. He also falsely claimed he'd seen TLE at a time when he knew she'd been killed by his father. The second count of perjury arose out of evidence given by Trent at an investigative hearing conducted by the Crime and Corruption Commission on the 19th of September 2016. By that time, extended family members had provided statements to police contradicting Trent's denial of sexual contact with TLE. Further, a covert listening device had recorded Trent's parents telling him and his brother to continue to maintain the false story they had after the father had killed her. When Trent was recalled to the investigative hearing on the 19th of September 2016, he acknowledged he had had sexual intercourse with Tilly, but in evidence gave an explanation as to the circumstances of that intercourse, consistent with a version suggested to him by his father, as recorded by the covert listening device. Trent continued to falsely testify that the fact of sexual contact was not in any way connected with Tealy's disappearance. Trent also falsely testified that there had been no family discussion on the night Tealy had been killed by his father. Now, the offence of attempting to obstruct the course of justice arose out of the consequence of Trent giving false statements to the police about Tealy's last whereabouts. Trent gave a false statement on the 6th of November 2015, which was repeated on the 20th of November 2015. He again gave a false statement on the 11th of February 2016. So Trent was taken into custody on the 20th of September 2016 and denied bail. Justice John Bond said 
that there were concerns Trent Thorburn would commit crimes against children if released on bail, as police claim he'd been sexually involved with at least one other minor. So how's this? And I won't go into all of the judge's sentencing remarks, but I will tell you this. Trent told his cousin that he had engaged in sexual intercourse under threat that Tia would hurt his dog if he did not do so. So basically, if he didn't have sex with Tia, Tia's threatening she will hurt his dog. What? This is just absolute bullshit. Basically, all the rest of the remarks are about how he continued to lie to police about what he and his father had done, how he had been bashed while on remand in prison and spent most of his time in solitary. But this cunt, he's out already. As you know, he got only four years, but wait, that was for the head sentence of perjury. He actually had his sentence suspended after only being in custody for 16 months. You see, he was going to be sentenced to two and a half years for incest. On top of that, perjury and perverting the course of justice charges. Now, they've got a three-year term. But the thing is, you serve them concurrently. So incest was worth 30 months and the other charges 36 months. But the judge thought that was just too much. So he was able to only serve 16 months for fuck's sake. What? The fucking fuck. Anyway, Trent Thorburn's actions ultimately led to the murder of T. Lee Palmer. That's the whole point. The whole scummy family tried to cover up the alleged offence committed by the father, which isn't alleged anymore, as he actually did it. This arsehole was released on the 19th of January 2018, and now he's on Tinder. I really hope that Tinder does the right thing, I can't check myself if he's still listed on Tinder. Maybe some of you out there can. But let's hope there's been enough publicity of this cunt that he fails miserably in his quest for a hookup. Really. They should have cut his dick off and left him with a little stub to piss out of. He was the reason that Tia Lee lost her life. He should be behind bars just like his father who actually killed the girl. In fact, the whole family seemed to get off so lightly, they all need putting back behind bars. Now, don't get me started on pedo priest George Pell, who's in court this week as well, trying to get off his conviction on five counts of child sexual abuse of two boys in the 1990s after a jury returned a unanimous guilty verdict. Evidence against Pell described willful exposure, fondling, masturbation and oral rape. Six years imprisonment was with a non-parole period of three years and eight months is what he got. Now I'll save that disgusting excuse for a human to another day. And so that brings an end to this week's show where oh, the news just gave me the rage. So this week's show is a little bit shorter than normal. But I thought I'd just bring you those couple of news items and, of course, the bit about George Pell at the end. All three of them should just be locked up and keys thrown away. Anyway, this week we've got our Patreon shout-outs. Big shout-out to Ida Anderson, and she's gone on the top level, the golden deck chair level. Thank you very much, Boom Vakalunga. And Brandon Boyle also has joined the Islanders. 
Thank you all so much for your support and thanks so much to the present and past Patreon supporters of the island. I'll be emailing Patreon award people this week. I do this to confirm your address details and such, so please, if you think you are to receive your reward this month, check your inbox and even spam folders. Also, if you haven't received anything or I haven't emailed you, please get in touch so I can sort you out. True Crime Island is a totally listener-supported podcast. I keep it ad-free, as I know you don't like them, and neither do I. If you want to support the island financially for as little as a dollar a month, you too can become a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash true crime island and check out the levels and rewards. Alternatively, you can do a one-off donation at paypal.me forward slash true crime island. Also, you can support the island by getting hold of some merch such as t-shirts, hoodies, beach towels, tote bags but my favourite of course are the mugs of rage all available from truecrimeisland.threadless.com and don't forget don't order black mugs <laughs> I do have cheek cheek canes I have keychains as well lapel pins stickers I've got two beer cooties left so you need to contact me directly for those that can be done by emailing me cambo at truecrimeisland.com and that's also the best way to contact me personally for anything else such as case requests or just to say boom funkalunga boom funkalunga so everything is linked at www.truecrimeisland.com so if you forgot all what I just said now you don't have to spend money to support the island you can also rate and review and tell your friends and family and workmates about the island and if they don't know how to tune in show them Search for True Crime Island on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and join the closed group on Facebook. Now, we have a promo tonight from a podcast, I just found it last week, called Bad in the Boondocks. Father and son bringing you true crime from southern USA and as they say, they get your redneck, get, get your redneck on and listen with Stan and Giroud. So that promo is at the end. That's about it for the show tonight. Lots of love to Maggie James. And I've been your host, Cambo, losing his voice. And you've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night and boom fagalanga. I'm Stan. And I'm Drew. And we are your hosts of Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks is a fresh take on True Crime Podcast. We are a father and son team from way back in the sticks of South Carolina. Yeah, in a town of less than 500. And we have a shared passion for all things true crime. So, every Saturday we get together and swap stories about a true crime event. 
We try and find the most twisted and vile losers of our human race. Now you won't hear a lot of endless banner on Bad and Boondocks. But what you will hear is all the unedited facts on the cases we choose, no matter how gory or troublesome they are. And you'll hear it all with a unique southern flair. And along the way, you'll hear just the right amount of discussion and jokes to keep you and us from completely losing your mind. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya, and CastBox. Or just go to badintheboondocks.com and download all of our episodes there. So, come on down to the boondocks and get your redneck on with us. We promise you'll have a good time.